Hello and welcome to Solutions. This is the first episode of our four series of podcasts for solution-focused hypnotherapists and I'm Cathy Eland. And I'm Trevor Eddles and we're both experienced solution-focused hypnotherapists. Um, almost everyone likes music and many people find themselves humming a tune to themselves when doing some boring tasks. People have a favourite genre of music and many couples have our song. But why do people like music and is it good for us? Okay, so uh, let's have a look at what's happening in the brain. Like all music, music is heard by the ears and converted to electrical messages that go along nerves to the brain. Once in the brain, music seems to be decoded by many different parts of the brain. And the part of the brain associated with sound is the auditory cortex, which is located at the upper sides of the temporal lobes on both sides. The auditory cortex is divided into the core, the belt, and the parabelt. And of course, other regions uh, become affected too. Yeah, so let's have a look a bit more in the detail of what's going on in the brain. The auditory cortex is stimulated, as we said. In addition, when listening to emotional music, the parts of the brain involved in emotion are activated and become synchronised. Music also activates a variety of memory regions and music activates the motor system. This, it's been suggested, allows us to pick up the beat of the music before we start tapping our foot. Uh -huh. Talking of which, music will usually have a rhythm, uh, a pattern of beats or sounds or even silence, uh, rests. And these are recognised by the belt and the parabelt. So when a person creates a rhythm by tapping or banging, the motor cortex and cerebellum also get involved. Okay, pitch refers to the frequency of a sound. Tone refers to the colour or timbre of the note. It can be described as warm, strident, rich, etc. The brain uses the auditory cortex to recognise and understand pitch and tone. The auditory cortex also analyses a song's melody, which is defined as a satisfying sequence of notes, and harmony, defined as notes and chords that sound good together. The cerebellum and prefrontal cortex may also help with this. Okay, and the brain also seems to anticipate what will happen next in the tune and is pleased when it is surprised by smart, quirky changes. And it's the prefrontal cortex that's used for this analysis. And the brain also remembers music. People can often recognise tunes after only a few notes, you know, beating the intro. The hippocampus is responsible for processing information that is stored in long-term memory. Yeah, and when people read music or play an instrument or even dance, the parts of the brain that are used include the cerebellum, the motor cortex, the sensory cortex and the visual cortex. As mentioned earlier, the other thing about music is that it can trigger feelings. There are three areas of the brain associated with these emotional responses. They are the nucleus accumbens, which is part of the basal ganglia, the amygdala and the cerebellum. Uh, Maz Herrero et al. in an article entitled Unraveling the Temporal Dynamics of Reward Signals in Music-Induced Pleasure with TMS 
catchy. In the March 2021 issue of the Journal of Neuroscience found that communication between the brain's auditory and reward circuits is the reasons why humans find music rewarding. Using functional MRI scans, they found similarities between how the brain's reward circuits processed music and other rewards such as food, money and alcohol. When they excited the reward circuit prior to playing music, it increased the pleasure participants felt to the songs. If they inhibited the reward circuit, participants felt less pleasure. These induced pleasure changes were linked to changes in activity in the nucleus accumbens. Interestingly, Jakubowski and Irola 2021 found that music wasn't as effective as sounds or words at evoking memories. However, music brought back more uniformly positive memories compared to sounds and words. It's really interesting. And various studies have shown that all people, including non-musicians, have some musical ability. I knew it. Uh, Koja et al. 2000 found that the human brain extrapolates expectations about what notes are coming next. And these predictions are consistent with music theory rather than random. Koja et al. 2002 also found that people can still hear music even when they are not paying any attention to it. Yeah, interesting. Mm. So the right hemisphere of the brain seems important when listening to music. Stuart et al. 2006 found that lesions following cerebral damage led to impairments in the appreciation of pitch, timbre and rhythm. The brain imaging studies by Blood et al. 1999 found that the right hemisphere is preferentially activated when listening to music in relation to the emotional experience and that even imagining music activates areas on the right side of the brain. So what are the benefits of listening to music? A 2020 study by the AARP, formerly the American Association of Retired Persons, on music and brain health found that people who listened to music had higher scores for mental well-being and slightly reduced levels of anxiety and depression compared to people overall. 69% of survey respondents who go to musical performances rated their brain health as excellent or very good. This compared with 58% for those who had been in the past and 52% for those who never attended. Right. And 68% of respondents who reported often being exposed to music as a child rated their ability to learn new things as excellent or very good, compared to 50% of those who were not exposed to music. Adults without exposure to music early in life, but who currently engage in some music appreciation, scored above average for mental well-being. Active engagement with music, including people over 50, that's me, was associated with higher rates of happiness and good cognitive function. Okay, yes. It's suggested that because music activates so many brain regions and networks, it keeps the connections between those neurons connected. Think Hebb's Law. This includes the networks involved in well-being, learning, cognitive function, quality of life and happiness. 
And although the results are very positive about music and did involve over 3,000 responses, it's worth noting that it was only a survey of people's opinion rather than objective measurements using an MRI scanner, for example. And the results are only correlations rather than proof. Other factors may have been at work when the youngsters were being exposed to music as children. According to neuroscientist Kiminobu Sugoyaya, music can change your ability to perceive time, tap into primal fears, reduce seizures, make you a better communicator, make you stronger, boost your immune system, assist in repairing brain damage, make you smarter, evoke memories, help Parkinson's patients. Yeah, there's also evidence suggesting that music can decrease seizure frequency, stop refractory status epilepticus, and decrease electroencephalographic spike frequency in children with epilepsy. Wow. And research also shows that listening to music can reduce anxiety, blood pressure and pain, as well as improve sleep quality, mood, mental alertness and memory. It can also help keep off the effects of ageing. For example, giving 13 older adults piano lessons improve their attention, the memory, the problem-solving abilities, the mood and the quality of life. However... A 2021 study published in Psychological Science found that listening to music before bed can result in poor sleep. The study looked at the relationship between music listening and sleep, focusing on involuntary musical imagery or earworms, where a song or tune replays over and over in a person's mind. People who experience earworms regularly at night, one or more times per week, are six times as likely to have poor sleep quality compared to people who rarely experience earworms. Surprisingly, the study found that some instrumental music is more likely to lead to earworms and disrupt sleep quality than lyrical music. Right. People often listen to the same songs and genre of music as they did in their teens and 20s, that is true. It suggested that new music challenges the brain, which has a positive effect on the brain. Interestingly, Berthold Losleben et al. 2021 wrote in BMC Journal about the effects of short-term musical training on implicit, non-conscious emotion regulation. They investigated whether, in a controlled environment, music could change people's emotional responses to unpleasant smells. They found that listening to music twice a day for three weeks can reduce negative emotions elicited by bad odours particularly if one hears music again. So, basically, music could improve well-being and help people to regulate negative emotions elicited by an external stimulus. So a study uh, in 2021 written by Naomi Ziv and Revital Hollander Shabtai entitled Music and COVID-19 Changes in Uses and Emotional Reactions to Music Under Stay-at-Home Restrictions that was published in Psychology of Music um, examined individuals' subjective evaluation of differences in their music listening habits and emotional reaction to music during lockdown compared with normal times. I found just under half, 48% of respondents, said that they had increased their music listening during the lockdown. 
When asked how their uses for listening to music had changed during the lockdown, more than half of respondents, 51%, said their use of music to improve their mood had increased. Another 49% said their use of music to increase their energy had increased. 46% said their use of music to help them relax had increased. And 48% said their use of music as background noise for other activities had increased. The results support previous findings regarding the use of music for mood regulation and the importance of music as a means of social contact and provide a demonstration of subjective evaluation of those functions in real-time coping during a global crisis. Uh, they also uh, concluded that this supports thinking in music psychology, that people intuitively use music in different ways to regulate their emotional states, to cope with stress and to feel connected uh, to other people. A 2011 study found that music therapy combined with other relaxation techniques based on guided imagery significantly reduces pain, depression and anxiety and improves sleep among patients suffering from fibromyalgia. It was published in Pain Management Nursing. Okay, and uh, a 2012 study at the University of Arizona Medical Center measured the effects of music on patients in the intensive care unit. A hundred patients had the physiological function, blood pressure, and self-reported pain scores measured. Fifty received a private ten-minute live heart performance on the floor of the intensive care unit, and the other fifty functioned as control patients who simply spent ten minutes relaxing with. Out the harp music. The measurements were then taken again, and for the ones who'd listened to the harp music, if their blood pressure was low, for which it was for most of the patients, it increased, and for a few with high blood pressure, the pressure decreased. A 2013 study found that listening to your favourite music for 30 minutes a day improves endothelial function in coronary artery disease. The study involved 74 patients. A 2013 large-scale review of 400 studies by Levitin found that playing and listening to music also improves the body's immune system, reduces stress, and promotes social bonding. Right. Um, another study, a 2016 study published in the AORN, that's the Association of Peri operative registered nurses journal found that music reduces anxiety for biopsy patients. The study looked at 207 women undergoing a biopsy for breast cancer diagnosis and treatment over a two-year period. The researchers presented patients in the experimental groups with a live song performed by a music therapist at the bedside or a recorded song played through earphones. And lastly, DeWitt et al. 2020 found that listening to music can reduce cortisol levels and lower the heart rate, which leads to feelings of calmness and relaxation. One of the great things about music is that it can help to regulate a person's mood. It can do this by either distracting them or getting them to change to other thoughts. Here mm. are some ways it can do that. Listening to music that a person likes activates the dopamine system in the brain. People feel pleasure from music when a pattern is interrupted in some way. 
when something unexpected happens in the music, strong emotions are experienced by the listener. Interesting. Mm. A person's Mm. frustration or negative emotions can be channeled through the music in a harmless way. A person's internal rhythms, that's, uh, for example, the heart rate, can speed up or slow down in time to the music they're listening to. When there's a slow, steady rhythm, e.g. meditative music, it's been found to reduce stress by slowing body rhythms and relaxes the person listening. Singing in a choir, line dancing, or even tapping their finger along with the beat of the music all make people feel closer to others and enhances their sense of well-being. Schaefer et al. in 2020 found that when people feel distressed or lonely, if they listen to comforting music, it improves the mood and gives them a sense of connection. In fact, comforting music can be used as a temporary substitute for social interaction and reduce feelings of loneliness in a person. Mm. And listening to music can easily make people feel nostalgic. For example, hearing music associated with a significant life event, e.g. Christmas songs or wedding songs, can trigger deeply nostalgic emotional experiences. Gary Doe and Davidson, 2019, investigating this, found that the feelings don't come from the music, but in what it reminds people of. Yeah. I guess the big question is, why does music play such a big part in human life compared to, say, the great apes? One suggestion is that the evolution of humans involved the growth of groups of people, and this required some form of communication. It's been suggested by Susan Langer in 1951 in her book, Philosophy in a New Key, that music provided a way to communicate emotions and feelings when there weren't the words available. Music allows connotational communication or feelings before the denotational language of words was available or a fixed literal meaning. And that's why brains are still wired for music. Interesting. The sound frequencies used by parents to sing to babies and motherese, child-directed speech, with its exaggerated intonation and rhythms, are very similar to those traditionally used by composers in their melodies. Music can work alongside hypnotherapy to help our clients, and that's why we do play music during a trance session. You also might wonder whether some tracks are more relaxing than others, and if they are, which is the most relaxing? Yeah, a music group teamed up with sound therapists from the British Academy of Sound Therapy They've claimed to compose a scientifically proven song to alleviate stress and anxiety. The track is called Weightless and is by the band Marconi Union and has been dubbed the world's most relaxing song. And if you like, you can find it on YouTube. It is quite amazing. In other research, psychologists have found a correspondence between the types of music people like and their personality. Now, there are lots of different types of music, and each one has a wealth of subgenres. But the researchers found that people who like one type of music generally liked another. And so they came up with four groups, four super genres of music. 
Okay. Firstly, there's what they call reflective and complex music for people who like blues, folk, jazz, and classical. There's intense and rebellious music for people who like rock, heavy metal, and alternative music. There's upbeat and conventional music for people who like pop, country, religious, and soundtracks. And there's energetic and rhythmic music for people who like electronic, rap, hip-hop, and soul. So, what are the personality types that go with the music? Well, reflective and complex music lovers tend to score highly on openness to experience, but see themselves as not being athletic while being politically liberal and intelligent. Intense and rebellious music lovers are very similar to the first group, except they do tend to be athletic. Upbeat and conventional music lovers tend to not be open to experiences and are not high scoring on IQ tests. They are agreeable, conscientious and extrovert and see themselves as attractive, wealthy and athletic. They also tend to be politically conservative and prone to depression. Lastly, the energetic and rhythmic music lovers are athletic, extrovert, attractive and agreeable. Ah, yes. Obviously, a statistical correlation and something always happens are two quite different things. But interestingly, a follow-up study found that students, and most psychology studies are done by students because there are so many of them around. Unfortunately, they may not be completely representative of the general population who are given the task of getting to know each other in an online dating type task, not only to choose to discuss musical preferences more than any other topic, but they also used musical preferences to successfully predict many of their partner's personality and personality traits and values. So... Perhaps you could use this technique to get to know more about new clients quickly and perhaps fairly accurately. So to conclude, it seems that the human brain is wired for music and the auditory cortex connects to many other parts of the brain. So when we hear music, we can remember events from the past and feel emotions. It also seems that listening to the music stimulates our brains in a very positive way, making us happier, more alert and generally feeling better. That's good. Um, in addition, it seems humans have been responsive to music since the earliest times in their evolution. And listening to music definitely seems like something we should recommend our clients to do. Well, I hope you find that useful. I'm off to listen to some tunes and do some line dancing. <laughs> yeah, next time we'll be looking in detail at sleep. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Cathy Eland. And it's goodbye from me, Trevor Eddles. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>